Hi guys, my name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. So I've been trying to record this episode for like one hour, but every time I turn on my mic, my neighbor's kid, neighbor from two floors down by the way, the kid just starts screaming. I don't know what is happening. I I don't know if that's a sign I shouldn't be recording. I don't know. But hey, if you hear like faint screams in the background, it is that kid. But happy holidays. I hope things are going brilliantly for you. First, I hope you are getting much needed rest. That's something I've been trying to do and failing. But (laughs) we move regardless. If you're spending time with your family, I hope it's not awkward. I hope it's fulfilling. If you're traveling, I hope there's no random incidents. I just saw, because you know Ghana is having this whole year of the return and there's like turns of celebrations. I'm so sad I'm missing out, but hey. I saw a news article that a hundred passengers who were going to Ghana using Egypt Air <laughs> lost their luggage. Yeah, so if you're traveling, I hope that's not happening to you because that is so stressful. But speaking of traveling, I did tell you in the last episode I was going on a camping trip with my husband. My husband loves the outdoors. He loves camping. I really don't. I feel like hotels are there for a reason. (laughs) Help them make a profit by going (laughs) and staying in the hotels. But I haven't been able to fulfill my camping with him once a year promise because Previously, I was working throughout any holidays. So this year, since I can work from any location whatsoever, I had to go camping. So we went to Savo East National Park in Kenya. It's actually one of the largest and oldest parks in Kenya. It is humongous. We were camping at a site called Dololo. For any of you who love camping, apparently it's a really good site for campers. For me, I'm just like, it's so dangerous. So the first night at about 1 a.m., I wake up because I'm just hearing like a lot of commotion outside, but it's movement commotion, not really like people talking or anything. Turns out it was elephants that were eating from the trees above our tents. Yeah. So we went with some of my husband's friends and so they were in a different tent And I was hearing what sounded like someone dragging a tent away. And I was like, shit, maybe the elephants are like hijacking. (laughs) I know, I know. I'm such a drama queen. They're like hijacking these people's tents. So I nudge my husband awake and I'm like trying to whisper to him that the elephants are stealing his friends. I know. In hindsight, I'm like, what the heck? And he was just like, can you just sleep? (laughs) Anyway, no human beings were hijacked by elephants that night. On the second morning, a monkey fell on our tents. Yeah, but that was more hilarious than scary. But the first morning, actually, ah, this was so embarrassing. So I go to shower in the ladies' side and I tell my husband to stand outside the door because you know, maybe like a monkey will try and get in or what if I find a snake in there or, you know protection. So I'm in the shower. I even have like my face mask on. I'm lathering up, giving, you know, my face mask time to do its thing. 
And then from the shower drainage, you know, where all the water collects in, I just see something like wiggling up. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And it was like dark black. And all I saw was like legs, pawn legs, pawn legs, pawn legs. So it was like a millipede or a centipede. I don't know the difference between those two. I'm not trying to find out the difference. And it's just coming out of the drainage. It's long. You guys, it was like the length of your average laptop screen. Yeah, that was me <laughs> trying to measure my laptop. Yeah, genuinely, it was like the length of your laptop screen. And at the bottom, it had two stings that were like dark red, maroonish. I've never seen anything like that. Honestly, like millipedes, centipedes, I thought they were like tiny, tiny things. But this one was huge. So what does Adele do? I leave my towel and everything and I run out of the shower <laughs> with a face mask on, half my body covered with soap and I'm screaming. Oh my God. And my husband is just like, first, before I even find out why you're screaming, can you please <laughs> take a towel? <sighs> that was very scary, guys. So I'm running out. The millipede with its stings is like running in the opposite direction because it's like I've scared it. And I'm like, how the fuck are you scared when you have these two huge um, stingers? And these thousands of legs, like, <laughs> oh my word, it was just traumatic. But good part of the camping trip was that I found out I was camping near one of my close friends, Shags. So Shags, for those of you who don't know, is like slang for home. So like your village home. And hers was like maybe a 40 minute drive away from our campsite. So we went over there and we hang out with her and her family. That was really, really fun. And I got to see parts of Kenya that I had never been to. So like Taita, a place called Bura, um, Watate. Man, Kenya is very beautiful. Like away from all the weird insects, Kenya is absolutely beautiful. I saw so many elephants. I was telling my husband on the way back that I genuinely think elephants are now my favorite animals because they have no stings but <laughs> it was an overall good trip i tried to stay off offline first and failed i tried to stay off working i worked on one day so that's good like out of four days i didn't work for three not bad the goal was not to work at all but yeah that was definitely not going to be happening. And I really needed that trip. I needed that trip because I've been super stressed. There are certain decisions that I have to make, A, around my career going forward and what or who I need to be around me. And I've been stressing about that. So I needed to kind of like forget that I have a serious side of my life to focus on. I've been super worried about like a minor health issue. So it was nice to like get out of town and not have to think about that. So for four days, literally just leave like I have nothing stressing me and to be very in the moment. So in that respect, as much as it was camping, which is something that's very different for me, it was very important for me to just get out of town and leave all my nonsense in Nairobi. Yeah, so I was away for Christmas week and then the 27th of December came through and then I remembered 
last year, 27th December, that's when I handed in my resignation at Kiss FM. And I remember I had spent Christmas afternoon with my family and I really loved that. And on the 26th, I needed to print my resignation, but I didn't have a printer at home. And I was so scared of doing it at like a public, what are they called? Cyber. Because I was like, what if somebody sees it? And then they know and like, you know, it gets out. Yeah, I overthink a lot. So I sent my husband to go and print it. And on the 27th, when I went to work, I said, okay, normally the workplace is very empty during the holidays. Everybody's on leave and whatever. So I was like, if all my bosses are at work, then that's my sign to hand in this resignation. So I was kind of like telling myself, of course, my bosses wouldn't be there. (laughs) So then I wouldn't hand it in and I don't have to take this leap of faith. I got to work. My immediate boss, who's the head of the station, was there. His boss, who is the head of radio, was there. Their boss, who is the CEO, was also there. So I was like, okay, God, <laughs> I've gotten your sign loud and clear. Uh, I'm going to hand in this thing. So I handed it in. Then I came home and I messaged all my close friends and my family. And then I slept <laughs> the best sleep ever. Like, you know, the sleep you get after massage or after like a hard workout either swimming or at the gym or running or whatever that sweet quality sleep yeah I got that that night I wasn't sleeping well before then I was very stressed and very unhappy where I was working so my sleep was really affected by that anyway so that day I slept really well and then I began my three month notice so I had to work for three months and that was when I was renegotiating my contracts Perhaps in the next episodes, I will be telling you what that entailed. It was so fucking stressful and hard. And because of it, I stayed two extra months at that job. Something that I don't regret, but I'm just like, man. (laughs) It was just like an exercise in futility. But I think I'll tell you about it in the next couple of episodes. So that, you know, if you're in the same dilemma you kind of know how to prepare yourself better and also i think as employees we don't do a good job of knowing our rights so those three months really taught me my rights and i really fought for my rights and i got what i was asking for yeah so it it taught me a lot of legal stuff that can protect you as an employee so yeah maybe i will share those i will share those over the next couple of episodes one year handed in the resignation you know then started this podcast and I'm, I'm really excited because this decade has been my radio decade. So I started it as a co-host for a drive show on 1FM. I think we went on air either October 2010 or around there. I'm not really good with numbers, but I think it was around there. And I was there until February 2013 when I moved to Kiss FM, stayed there for seven years and then, you know, left this year. And started my podcast. So it's been my radio decade. And I'm so happy that end of the year, Legally Clueless, I have recorded over 50 stories in different African countries from different people. And of course, us being named as the most popular Kenyan podcast is such an amazing way to crown the year. Being able to take the podcast on the road 
uh, doing a university tour is just amazing is not the word I'm looking for but it's the one that comes to my mind it's more than amazing because it validates that leap of faith that I took and it makes me feel so good that I tackled my fear head on and I pray that I keep conquering fear because I still have fear of many other things and it's so crippling fear is so crippling and it really stops you from living so I'm just hoping that I I, I carry on this whole overcoming fear thing anyway so back to the unique tour the story that I'm sharing today is one that I recorded during that tour and it's by John and he shared how difficult it was for him going to uni when he had just turned 17 at a point he was addicted to cocaine for one and a half years yeah his story is short I don't know it's it's extremely powerful it's yeah it's just one of those stories that I think I will remember for like the rest of my life. A hundred African stories. There is no proper life that you live in university as a musician. If I constantly just walked around feeling sorry for myself, I'm never going to get anything done. Uh, there was a bit of frustration in between all of that. I've been breaking my back for this company. Therapy is not for the weak or for the crazy. Stories from Africa. From Mombasa. My parents live there. I stay in Nairobi now. My own. And in school, yeah. So I'm doing journalism. Yeah, my uh, okay. I'm supposed to. I should have graduated, actually, this year. But now I'm two years more. So I'm graduating 2021. Uh, I was doing IBA. Then I uh, started afresh mm-hmm. on journalism. That's what I'm doing now. I was uh, 2015. I was uh, 17. Just finished high school. So yeah, my parents are trying to go to South Africa, but uh, I needed to do uh, year 12 and 13 which I didn't want to. Yeah, so uh, USIU was an option. So I came here yeah, at 17. And yeah, that's when I started now with IBA because that's what I thought I wanted to do. Then after that, it was just like, nah. Two years into it, it wasn't working out for me. My grades weren't that well, so I wanted to drop out. So my parents were like, okay, so what else can you do? Because now I'm in journalism now. I realized when I was really flanking in school, like really hard. So uh, the dean... I had a meeting with the dean. I remember at a point, my GPA was at 1.2, which is really, really bad. So I remember having a meeting with the dean, and he was just like, uh, you just need to go and figure yourself out, man. Like, you can't be on these grades. At that time, I was also heavily on drugs. So it was just a moment in my life. I was just like, okay, man, like, I'm, I'm done with this. Then I had to get back home. My pants are all the way in Mombasa. They're asking me, yo, are you good in school? I'm like, 4.0 GPA, bro. I'm good, dog. Like, we're good. Right, are you doing well in school? Like, yo, never been better. So it just kept on going on, sem after sem, until now the school are like, right, you need to dip. Like, you need to go. Like, you're failing. So I had to reevaluate, like, what I wanted to do with myself at that moment in time. And I was 18 at that. I was, yeah, I'm 21 now. So I was 18 at the moment. Uh, when I joined campus, I was 17. So I didn't have age months. Like, I didn't have people my age. So everyone around me was like 22, 23, 24, like, you know, that age range. And like, I was just 17. I was just, you know, trying to experiment. So I'm going to mention this. Yeah, I was uh, for a bit like one and a half years, I was addicted to cocaine. And uh, it's just, I had to get through with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because I, I was really young and I just didn't know what I was doing with my life at that time. So it was just like, you want to try this? I'm like, yeah, sure. It's like, you're going for class. So, and then they were like, oh, it's seven misses. So you get to your sixth miss, you're like, ah, it's fine. Like, my, my lecture is probably, you know, 
likes me, so I'll go talk. You go to class, they're like, yo, you have an F. So it was just, you know, crazy moment in my life at that time. Well, it got to the point where I wasn't, it's like my, I'm the only child. So my parents, <clears throat> not that they have a lot, but all they have sent to me. You understand? So it just got to a point where I was just dishonest with people and just trying to do anything, you know, to go get high. It was just a moment in my life where I was just like, okay, this is scary. And like also people around me, like I had, I have some good friends that now I'm with. We, I even just, now I started a company, I run a company. So I had uh, my friends who were like, yo, okay, like you need help, man. Like, yeah. And I couldn't go to my parents and tell them that I was addicted because they'll be like, okay, you come back home. So I had to deal with it myself because I didn't want to go back to Mombasa where like where my parents are. So I had to like sit down and be like, okay, I need to help myself, you know. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's, 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 it's been like a turning moment. Like that's why I really like the school because I don't know, like it's got me out of a really dark place. It was just a day I was with my friends and I started nose bleeding. It's like all over. So my friend was like, yo, my friends knew what I was doing. So I was like, all right, you need to chill on this now. Like your nose bleeding. It's like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. So after that day, I was like, I So I started um, uh, the old uh, SAC buildings. Mm-hmm. So they used to have like some meetings. So I used to go there, listen, uh, hear people's experiences. And, you know, it was just all about hearing other people and what they were going through. And also now my dad got sick. His kidneys failed. So I was just like, my weekly money drastically just went down. So it's just like, okay, now are you going to eat or get high, you know? Mm-hmm. It was on those. So yeah, it was just... Like uh, you start to realize in that moment and see how like oh yeah this is how reality is you know so it was mad I did want to drop out I did want to drop out but I'm also an only child so where I come from it's like all my cousins are also dropouts so like my family is like oh you're the last guy in university so what are you doing about that so that's just the pressure that actually got me to stay in university but if it was my like choice back then I don't think I'd be here it's that pressure from family like I I need to get through this because now if I don't it's like okay you're a failure too so that's what got me to not drop out uh, I remember it's actually weird I was just uh, with, with, my, with my friends one day and we're like yo like, so when are we gonna like live like this like always you know it gets to Thursday or Friday you start calling your parents like oh, when are you sending me money don't, just because you want to go like party and stuff so I, I remember my friend was just like frustrated about it we registered a company started doing our own thing. So that's when the turning point when I started doing something that I liked doing. Mm-hmm. Got the company started. So these days I'm, I'm more involved with what, like my business, how it's working out than anything else. Like that's like my baby. So I think that, that helped me. Uh, I run a record label and an event company. So we throw events and uh, create a platform for artists to record and we do distribute their music on Apple Music, uh, Spotify. So that's what I'm doing right now. Okay, when I decided to change my major uh, from IBU to journalism, so it's because I had a conversation with my mom. I'm close to her, so I was just like, I didn't tell her what was going on, but I was just like, yeah, I have problems. So like, can I just like come back home for like a year or two, like chill? It's like, yo, what's wrong? I was just like, yeah, this is not my course. She's so just like, I just go back to school, look for anything. Yeah. Like if you want to do hospitality, do it like just just get your degree and finish so like that's just, like, i came back and i was just like okay so what am i good at uh, i'm good at speaking i'm good with people i know how to work in the technical room with the mixers i was like i let me just go on journalism so yeah that's how i 
came to make that decision for myself. Oh yeah, this time around, just the people I hang out with. Like I'm, I was with uh, trying to be with people who are positive-minded, people who are trying to do something with their, themselves and their lives. Because for like three years, I was just a uni student doing the partying, and then after that, it's like, okay, then what else do you have to offer after this? And yeah, I was just so these are the people I surround myself with, people who just want trying to do something because. I feel like the people I hanged out with when I was back then, this is where I got myself into a really tricky situation. But thank God that I'm out right now. So you just find yourself in a situation where like, okay, if I do this, I'm just going to end up where I was. So that's just that, that's the thing that's always in my head. So like, yeah, I do hang out with people. And I'm like, okay, this guy, like, yeah. So after that, I'm just like, I like, I should just chill on that mm-hmm. and just not. Yeah. yeah. So that's just the thing that's always in my head. I think I came to uni too early. Because I had just turned 17, so practically I was just 16. So I just turned 17, and the freedom, like, I like I lived alone when you were 17, and you have your own apartment, and you start having to, you know, take care of yourself. So, yeah, I, I think maybe I should have, like, taken a year or, like, just reevaluated what I really wanted to do because I just wanted to get out of the house. I didn't really think of, okay, why? You know, it's just like, I, I'm tired of my dad and his noise, like, you know, so let me just get out of his space. So, yeah, so, I, and I also probably tell myself, like, yo, man, just watch out the people you hang out with because, like, your friends really influence you and you don't really, people think it's cliche, but, like, yeah, your friends really do influence you. So, like, you should just get good friends. Just advice to anyone, not only my 17-year-old self, like, yeah, like, yeah, friends is, like, everything. It's the first time anyone's had this. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's actually the first time, yeah. People don't know. Just because I keep quiet and I don't, let, I don't like talking about it that much, but I, you know, I not heard your story. I'm just like, I and you know, like people are actually going through real things out here. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm so proud of you, though. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Catch our next African stories in the next episode. You know, when I was recording that story at the very end, I had to hold myself back from like giving him a hug. I get so emotionally attached to each and every storyteller I record. And I feel like as I'm recording them, even if it's complete strangers, it's like I'm gathering friends. Because <laughs> the sessions feel so therapeutic, both for the storyteller and also for me. So I I genuinely had just met him, but I was so proud of, so proud of him. Can you imagine being 17, 18, addicted to cocaine, being in Nairobi by yourself, your family are all in a different county and having to battle that yourself, like, man. You know, it reminded me, because I went to the same university as him and I had done my high school in Botswana. And so when I came back home, I was 15 turning 16. Yeah. And the system that I'd done in high school was such that I was actually able to go to uni at that age. But my mom was like, nope, you're too young. And I remember being so angry at her because I'm like, what do you mean I'm too young? See, the faster I get through these shenanigans, the better. Uh, But hearing his story, I was like, well, yeah, maybe taking two years to do IB was a good thing. But even in IB, I was the youngest. I'm just happy I went through IB and went through uni at a time when drugs, maybe they were everywhere, but I I mean, I, I told you guys before, I saw weed for the first time when I was in university and I think I was 18 at the time and I was completely freaked out. That was my first time seeing weed. But if you fast forward to today, drugs are 
everywhere. Okay, I still haven't seen them. <laughs> Other than in the movies, but I hear that they're everywhere. And so, yeah, it just makes you really scared. It's, it's different timings. And if we are to have kids, we'll be bringing them up in like a completely different time where they'll be exposed to so much more than us. And you just kind of have to pray that you've given them the right tools to be able to maneuver their way through all of that madness. But I'm really happy he shared his story with us. And I hope it resonates with you. If it takes you back to like your uni days or you who's about to go into uni, because that's also a thing. Like (laughs) prepare thyself. But yeah, so he has about two years to graduate, he told me. And so I'm really happy that he overcame what he was battling. Anyway, by the time you're listening to this, we probably have jumped into 2020. (laughs) So this is the last episode of the decade and the first episode of the decade. I am so happy that you're part of the Legally Clueless tribe. I appreciate you for listening, you for giving me your time and allowing me into your space. And I'd love you to join the Legally Clueless tribe which is on Instagram. So just head over to at Legally Clueless Podcast. Happy New Year! And that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.